the interesting piece for, for you this morning as, as like the listener in my message is uh, I'm actually going to preach the same message twice today. One's going to be a little more technical, and then I'm going to try to make it really practical for you. Why do we need the technical? I, I think we need the technical because sometimes we've looked at the temptation of Jesus and went, well, he's Jesus. Like, kind of like a drama almost. Like, okay, Satan came and said this, and <laughs> Jesus kind of said what he was supposed to say, and then he moved on and said the next thing. And we disconnect it from the humanness of Jesus. And the, the cool thing, uh, as Pastor Trent and myself were, were talking about some sermon series, and we've, we've figured out the next two, the, the first one before Easter, we're going to look at like Jesus as a human. Because when we see him on the cross, sometimes it is we feel like that drama where he didn't feel pain or he kind of felt pain, but, but we disconnect that. Jesus is fully God and fully human. That's hard for us to understand. And so we're just going to walk through a bunch of weeks on, on that and then celebrate with Easter, which is a, a great pinnacle event for us as Christ followers. And then, then after Easter, uh, we're going to walk through the Apostles' Creed. So it's a, it's a historical thing. You might have said it in the church, and you kind of go you know, I believe in this, and you're like, okay, what does that mean? And so we're just going to unpack it and kind of go, what does the Apostle Creed mean? Why did those forefathers years ago decide that it was really important? And why has it sticked all these years? And how do we live as people to what that is calling to? It's not just enough to go, well, I live in Copperfield. Yep, and I live in Copperfield, and I live in Copperfield. <laughs> what does it mean for me to live in Copperfield? Um, and so we're going we're to unpack that. So I'm, I'm excited about this journey. Here's where we're headed, just so that you can kind of plan um, kind of the next few weeks. So the next slide will come up. Jamie stepped in today. So uh, where are we headed? Here's where we're headed over the next weeks before Easter. These are the, the things we're going to talk about. Did Jesus get tempted? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to look at did Jesus get worn out? A lot of our life, we feel worn out. Uh, I was talking to somebody last night, and, and I said, it's like when we were 16 years old, and some of you are near that, some of us are far from that, uh, but when we were 16, uh, you filled up your car with two bucks. Not all the way, but that's all you had in your pocket. So you'd go to the gas station, and back then you might get four liters of gas, and in your mind you thought, this is a good thing, because I can make it till tomorrow. That was all it was about, was like, make it till tomorrow. <laughs> and then when you turn like 48, now it's like, man, I need to fill my car up. Like my car, once it gets half empty, I'm like, oh boy, this is scaring me. Like, <laughs> um, and there's been times where, you know, now your fancy cars, my K car never had this, but now the fancy cars have like that, like 151 miles. And some of us like test that, and we've tested it before as a family with rental cars, and it gets really scary when it suddenly goes from 12 to low fuel. Uh, and, and that's kind of been our relationship with Jesus, is we kind of pull into the gas station, and we're like, oh, if I just, if I just get a little bit. And then we go to the next little bit, and then we go to the next little bit. And so we're going to just unpack looking at Jesus and going, he wasn't running on empty. 
Uh, how, how did he actually make it? We're going to talk about, did Jesus grieve? Did Jesus get angry? What did that look like? A fun one right before Easter that we're going to do is, did Jesus choose? Like, did he have freedom? Or was he just knowing exactly what to do at every moment of every day? So we're going to play with this theme of, was Jesus human, and what, what does that mean? If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2. We have a great theme verse that, that Pastor Trent has pulled out for us. This theme verse is going to be one that we keep landing on. It's in Hebrews chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 2. If you have the Pew Bible in front of you and you want to look at it, it's on page 1034. 1034, Hebrews chapter 2. We're looking at verse 14. And, and so this is going to be our foundation. We're building our house upon this over the next few weeks. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, it says this. Verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he, meaning Jesus, too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he, Jesus, might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Verse 16, For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. And then this verse, verse 17, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. A great foundation, like a huge foundation for us. So we're going to keep bouncing back to that. It's going to be our landing place. Jesus, according to the Bible, was tempted. He was tempted. Now you might struggle with that in your mind. You might say, wait a second, how could God be tempted? Doesn't the, the Bible say this in James chapter 1, verse 13, that, that God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt himself? Well, it's true. But then we have this unique story that actually is repeated three times in the Gospels. It's in three of the four Gospels. If you want to go there, we're just going to kind of highlight a few things from there. It's in Luke chapter 4. So Luke chapter 4, it's in the Pew Bible, it's on page 882. And we're just going to kind of look at it from Luke chapter 4 with that Hebrews chapter 2 passage and try to make sense of this, what does it mean that Jesus was actually tempted? Now, to give you a little background, the interesting piece here is that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist the Spirit of God showed up, the Holy Spirit showed up in the form of a dove, and there were words proclaimed in Mark chapter 1 at the baptism that said this, this is my son who I love, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We see this as kind of the start of Jesus' ministry. We then, if we went into Luke chapter 4 where you have your Bibles open, we read that the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Now that's an interesting piece. I want you to hold on to that. 
Some of us have heard this story before, and we've kind of went like this. Well, Satan came and started to tempt Jesus. It was like, hey, look, I'm behind the bush. Here we go. Let's make this happen. But led by the Spirit, Jesus went into the wilderness. So the Spirit was leading Jesus into the wilderness as a transition point for Jesus into his ministry, which is really interesting. For some of us today, we feel like this was a, this was a terrible week. And I want you, as you start to wrestle through what's happened in your last few weeks or your last few months, to start to go, man, is the Spirit leading me into the wilderness to prepare me for something that God's calling me to? You see, our call usually happens in the wilderness. Our call doesn't happen when things are going great and we're like, I don't need Jesus, I just need to do life. But as God starts to to allow us and lead us into the wilderness, it's because God's starting to call us into something that he has for us. Remember, and you can look at Luke 4 and just kind of follow along. We're not going to just read all the verses. I'm going to highlight a few things for you. Remember, Satan started out by saying this, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn this rock into a piece of bread? Jesus, of course, we know this, refused that temptation. He said, it's written, man shall not live by bread or food alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then Satan took Jesus to the the pinnacle of the edge of the temple. Very interesting that it was the temple. He said, just jump off here. And it's written that way. And and the interesting piece is Psalm 91. It's going to come on the screen behind you. Satan uses scripture here. And Satan goes, hey, do you remember Psalm 91? His angels will have charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. And Jesus comes back and goes, no, Satan, it's written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So even with these two examples, we see that Jesus was was clearly tempted. But listen, He's a little different than us. And this is where Jesus is not human like us. Jesus didn't have uh, the inward vulnerability that you and I have, the inward vulnerability that you and I live in. We know that. The Bible says a man is tempted when he's drawn away from his own desires. He's enticed. You see, the, the tempter needs cooperation with the temptee. That's what temptation is. Satan needs a a willing participant. Let me ask you a quick question. This is audience participation. How many of you have ever been tempted with sin? Throw your hands up. Remember, you're in a church. Okay, good. You're looking at your friend going, you have been tempted with sin. I know that. How many of us have given in to those temptations at some point in our life? Okay, put up your hands. Good, we're being honest in the church. That's great. How many of us have been tempted and we've resisted that temptation? Throw your hands up. Yeah, for sure. We've resisted. It means we've made the right right choice. And, And the beauty with these three stories, these three similar stories, these... These three accounts that we see by different authors 
means that just like Jesus, we have the ability to make the right choice. Even though Jesus didn't have the inward vulnerability to give into it, we can't disconnect that Jesus felt pressure and he felt the presence of temptation. You and I might struggle with our own vulnerability where we're like, oh, this is not good. Some of us, when we don't eat, suddenly temptation enters in. And that could take, like, I'm really grumpy. If I don't eat at 5 o'clock, I become very grumpy. Don't look at your spouse. We're not referring to anybody. Some of you, it might be, man, if I'm working late at night, that's when temptation comes in. Some of us, it might be when, I'm, when I, I don't get enough sleep, that's when temptation comes in. We all know when we start to become fragile. And here, Jesus just had this baptism, this celebration where his father shows up and goes, man, I'm pleased with you as a son. And suddenly the spirit is leading him into the wilderness for 40 days. Hebrews chapter 2, we started with this. It's going to come back on the screen. You don't need to turn there. Stay in Luke 4. I love this reminder. It was necessary for Jesus to be in every respect like us. These great two words, his brothers and his sisters. So he could be our merciful and peaceful high priest before God. See, he, since he himself had gone through temptation and suffering, he's able to help us when we're tempted. Jesus knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. So you can't say this. No one knows what I'm going through right now, Matt. No one. Jesus does. No one knows what I'm suffering like right now. Jesus does. No one knows the kind of temptations I'm facing right now. Jesus does. Though there may be no one else on this earth that knows it, Jesus knows it. When we look at the temptation of, of Jesus, there's, there's some significant words that the author used. And I just, this is the technical part, so I want to unpack this for you. I, I want you to notice the, the time of the temptation. The temptation took place in Matthew 4, Mark 1, Luke 4. Matthew the author opens up the story with this, then. Mark, the author, uses this as a, as a connection, a, a characteristic word of the gospel. Mark uses the word straight away. It's interesting. And Luke opens up with the word and. These words, then, straight away, and the word and, show the connection of the temple, with, I mean the temptation, with what had come before, his baptism. And so there's this great distinction of its time. Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit, immediately after the baptism. And immediately the Holy Spirit drove him to the wilderness. Here the emphasis is greater upon the fact that the temptation followed the baptism. This great mark. Jesus had entered into this phase of ministry. He was ready to do what's next. You might remember this verse where Jesus goes, I've come to do my Father's will. He's been waiting for that. This is age 30. He's ready to walk into that. And his first act that he has to deal with, of being called by God, 
is this victory over his foe, Satan. At the baptism, God had went, I'm pleased. Good job being a human. Good job doing what I sent you to do. You were obedient to your parents. You didn't need to be. Good job hanging out in my father's house. You didn't need to be. Good job. I'm ready for you to accomplish what I set you to do. The whole circumstance of the baptism must have been full satisfaction of what God had done. And now he's moving into this phase of loneliness in the wilderness. There would be great tension. Just like for some of us, we can remember what we did last week and we remember it great, with great fondness and we're like, oh, if I could just go back there. So the humanness of Jesus as he's in the wilderness, remember the wilderness is aloneness. And as he's in the wilderness, he's remembering this fondness of, my father said, I'm pleased with you. And now he has to battle. I want you to look at the, the place of the temptation. Matthew says this, into the wilderness. Mark says, into the, forth into the wilderness. Luke uses the word wilderness. It's interesting, the authors wanted us to catch the wilderness. You see, Jesus' ministry and our call in life is not aloneness. That's Satan's lie to us. And so as Jesus is in the wilderness, there's this tension he's feeling as a human going, this is not the way God's designed it. God's designed us to live in community. We know that. Well, the final technical piece of of temptation that we have here is we need to always look at who was tempting him. Matthew says that he was tempted by the devil. Mark says he was tempted of Satan. Luke says the same thing as Matthew said, tempted of the devil. It's interesting that as he's in wilderness, he comes face to face with with the God of this world, the one who had fallen. Now, we're going to get technical, just for, like, really technical for a second here. The interesting piece is that the first Adam, Adam, has a direct correlation to to Christ. It's interesting that Adam had the choice. When we see Jesus, he has that same choice. Remember what John 3.20 says, that sin doesn't operate in darkness. As Matthew wrote, Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Mark expressed it. The Spirit drove him. Luke declared he was led by the Spirit. We have to understand that, that in this world, part of God's divine plan is the Spirit leading us sometimes into things that we don't want to be led into. Sometimes for us, God's calling us into the wilderness and we go, but I don't want to. And sometimes God's going, no, I need you to be in the wilderness so I can actually show you who I am. And so just like we struggle with that, that would be the same struggle that Jesus had later on in Jesus' life when he's in the garden. He prays to God this great human prayer, Father, take it away from me. I don't want to do it. 
But if it's your will, then I'm willing. Temptation in this world, in Jesus' time, is the divine plan and purpose. Jesus went into the wilderness under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to actually find Satan. The interesting piece for us was as Jesus was tempted, during those 40 days, he was still led by the Spirit. You see, in temptation, the Spirit actually is still leading us. Sometimes in temptation, we feel like, well, God, where are you? God's right there. God's leading. Manhood is never able to successfully resist the temptations of the devil. We're only able to overcome it because of the Spirit. Now, there's some people who would dismiss this whole account. They would call it fiction. They would call it a great imaginative journey that we see in Scripture. But these events are necessary for us. If we disconnect these events from the life of Jesus, then it just seems like we've lost the humanness of Jesus. For years, Jesus had waited in Nazareth, just waiting. He was preparing for the task. In the moment of his baptism, what Jesus had actually done was he had the assurance of of God going, it's time. Jesus knew what to do, but how was he going to do it? How was he going to start? What methods was he going to use? Those are the questions that are actually answered in the temptations. First, we have to be clear in what we mean by the word temptation. In the New Testament, the word means to test rather than to tempt. So Jesus was walking into a period of testing. We know that. The Gospels are unanimous when they say that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert. Do we think that the Holy Spirit was to tempt Jesus? No, the Holy Spirit was leading Jesus so that he could be tested. Temptation is always a testing. It's not meant to make a man fall. It's meant to try him so that out of that situation, he'll actually emerge stronger and finer and purer. The temptation story is about a person that was aware he possessed special powers. We know that with Jesus. And the interesting piece with what Satan threw at him was, well, how are you going to use these? So Jesus knew that he had these special powers. Jesus knew that he could command the sea to be calm. Jesus knew that he could heal someone's deep sickness. But the question always on the humanness of Jesus was, how is he actually going to, to use these? When we think of temptations, don't think merely in external terms. When you think temptation, you have to ask yourself always, what's happening in my heart? There would be nothing wrong with Jesus turning stones into bread. To be honest, it would have been pretty cool. There was nothing wrong with that. The issue was not that. The issue is what was going on inside the heart of Jesus. You see, temptation, or when we get tested, there's always this struggle between our heart and our mind. Our mind's telling us, on one hand, figure it out yourself. Our heart's saying, we need a Savior. 
Our minds saying, oh, I really want this. And our hearts saying, my sufficiency is enough for you. And so there's this temptation that we have to simply go, I'm going to just do it myself. And if you don't believe that, Jesus was in the wilderness by himself. There was no one else that could have recorded these events. Matthew wasn't in the bushes hiding, going, oh, let me write this down. This is going to be valuable for some time. And so what we believe is that at some point in Jesus' ministry with his disciples, he sat down with them and he said, let me tell you about the wilderness. Maybe he was saying, you guys are going to be faced with the wilderness just like I was. So Jesus had come to an all-important moment when he had to choose how he would approach to do the work that God had given him to do. The first temptation was the temptation to turn the stones into bread. What temptation could there be more of when you've been fasting for 40 days? Remember, Satan gets us right where he wants Jesus countered this temptation with the words of the law found in Deuteronomy 8.3 that said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The second temptation, Jesus found himself at the top of the temple, the highest point. Now, the interesting piece was what uh, some scholars have found out and some readings that they've done. They think that that, that place was 450 feet So Jesus is up 450 feet. To use perspective, the Calgary Tower is 626 feet. So think of it like two-thirds. He's up the Calgary Tower, two-thirds. And no one went up that high because they would get dizzy, just like some of you when you look on that glass wall, the glass floor, you're like, I can't do this. If the temptation took place at dawn... There would be a whole group of people looking up at these two figures way up there. Jesus would have had a huge audience that would have seen this miracle. But again, Jesus countered that temptation with a word from the law found in Deuteronomy 6, 16, where he said, don't tempt the Lord your God. Then the third temptation was simply a bargain. Hey, say, Jesus, just worship me. And I'll give you all these nations. Again, Jesus countered that with Deuteronomy 6.13, which said, you shall worship the Lord your God and only serve him. Now, here's where it gets really practical. I want you to notice one thing about all these temptations. There's one basic attack that Satan has. He's trying to get Jesus to distrust himself. Now, let me say that again. Jesus is simply being faced with this choice, do I trust all those things that God's told me I'm I'm to do? Do I trust myself? Isn't that what we face? When we're confronted with whatever brokenness that comes into this world, what's our first reaction? Do I trust God? Or do I need to figure it out myself? If you're the son of God, Satan begins. If Satan can get Jesus to doubt his call, question his, himself and his ability, then all would be good. 
Now, remember the humanness of Jesus. Jesus was poor. He lived with uneducated parents. He did carpentry. How could that be actually the Messiah? The Messiah wouldn't starve in the wilderness. The Messiah would die on a cross. The attack failed, the temptation, the test failed simply because Jesus was so sure of his call and his relationship with God. Are you sure of yours? Jesus would not selfishly use his powers for himself by turning stones to bread. He wouldn't attempt to win over men by bribing them with gifts and material things. Jesus would not attempt to dazzle men with some sensational act by throwing himself off the temple. He knew that today he would win men over, but tomorrow there would have to be something different. He knew his followers would drift and dwindle away, but he knew something different. We've all been on that treadmill where we just feel like we need to dazzle our peers. Hey, look at me, I come into church really good. Look at me, my, I've got my family all perfectly in order. The final temptation to worship Satan is a temptation to compromise. It was as if Jesus was being told by Satan, don't set your standards so high. Just compromise. If you follow me, I'll make sure people worship you. But for Jesus, there was no compromise. Nothing less than a whole devotion to God and his will. There's this chart that I am going to get Jamie to throw up uh, there. Here's a really easy chart for us to understand. And you start to see, oh wow, the Bible actually has some cool order to it. So you remember this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It was called the Shema. It said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the men of the household every morning would come out, take this little box off their head, unwrap it, and proclaim it. It would have been pretty cool to be a part of that as all the men were saying it at the same time. And that was how they started the day. And so... Jesus comes on the scene, and we read this in Matthew 22 later on. We all know it. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, when Satan tempts us, he goes after your mind, he goes after your soul, he goes after your heart. Our mind is attached to the faith that we have in Jesus. Our soul is attached to the hope that we have in Jesus. And our heart is the love that we have for Jesus. Remember 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, and now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You see, Satan attacks our feelings, which is love. He attacks our wishes, which is our soul. And he attacks our thoughts, which is our mind. For Jesus, his method of dealing with temptation was simply to submit to the Father's will and obey him only. The, the key for us, and 
We're going to walk into communion. I'm going to ask Pastor Trent to come up here in just a second. The key for us was not what did Jesus say in those temptations. The key for us was being led by the Spirit. Us as, as good North American Baptists, at times, allow the Holy Spirit just to be the one that when we're doing something bad, that's where the Holy Spirit shows up. But there is something for us to recapture the understanding that this Spirit-filled life that God calls us to actually is where we are led by the Spirit. And for some of you, you are in a time of great pain. I believe that the Spirit is leading you into pain so that your dependence on Jesus can actually increase. And for some of you, there's all kinds of brokenness in your world, and the Spirit is leading you going, but I've got the rebuilder, I've got Jesus. I don't think there's a better way for us to end today by, than, than by just coming around this, the communion table and going, he did what he was called to do. There was no fancy gimmick. There was no sales job. It was just Jesus lived on earth so we can look at him and go, and that's how I need to live. Let's pray. God, thank you. If I said anything that wasn't of you, please take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love you. You're a great God. We ask all this in your name. Amen. May you go with the power and the love of Christ, your guide before you this day. May the truth and the reality of his humanity rest on us, knowing that this was a man who felt and had to work at what was in front of him. This wasn't just some easy road that some guy took. There was effort there, and it's something for us to reflect on and be encouraged by that as he was led by the Spirit, we too can be led by the Spirit to do things that we cannot do on our own strength. Go in his strength. Amen. Amen.